would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of royal to help and heal human beings. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. Okay, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Uh, today, I will be your host for today's discussion. I'm just swimming, doing a backstroke in the back to tank. Got a little bit of an itch in the, the butthole area. Gotta <laughs> make sure uh, we get that flushed out. Can I do a cannonball into the back to tank? Sure, that's fine. <laughs> now, no one think I'm dirty by any means with that itch. It's just, you know, changing weather, a little bit of rash. It'll clear rashing. up. It'll clear up. The back yeah. to water it's will just clear the, it up. It's just the heat. I'm clean. I promise. And get a droid to clean that up. Yeah. A, a suction droid? <laughs> so stupid. All right. So we're going to be uh, talking about a comic book today. We're going to be reviewing and discussing a fun Star Wars comic issue. Star Wars Target Vader. As of this show, only the first issue is available. But it was just enough, Dave, to get, or I should say to give me, a Star Wars boner. Oh, yeah. The blood was rushing. It was. Uh, Darth Vader is on the hunt for a mysterious criminal syndicate operating outside of the Empire's rule. But little does he know, he's being hunted by a group of the galaxy's deadliest bounty hunters. Hired by the syndicate to take out Vader once and for all. Led by the fallen Imperial officer, Bailert Valance. I probably (laughs) mispronounced that. For old school uh, Star Wars fans, it's the Hunter. Yes, this ragtag group of assassins will stop at nothing to kill the biggest bounty of their lives. All right, so the creative team, Robbie Thompson was the writer, Mark Lamming uh, was the artist, and the cover art, cover art was done by Nick Klein. All right, so the Lucasfilm Story Group continues to bring back characters that were stuffed into that so-called Legends box. And I'm loving it. Oh, yeah. I was so excited when they made this announcement a long time ago about bringing back this character because it's a, it's a character from the original Marvel Comics run that yeah. Marvel actually created. Yeah. The lead in this series, Valance, has a long history within Star Wars canon. And he had originally been introduced and I believe, the... 16th issue of the original Star Wars comic book series back in 1978. Yep. In an issue titled The Hunter. Uh, issue number 16 introduces Valance, uh, the return of the Star Hoppers of Aduba 3, and the death of Don Juan Quixote. This issue was a bit ahead of its time. Uh, this is the first issue of Marvel's Star Wars series where the original Star Wars cast, get this does not appear other than in a recap sequence. This makes it the first licensed star Wars storyline to not feature the original trilogy of characters. Yep. This was an original character that Marvel decided to create. Yeah. Predating stories later in the expanded universe franchise and the decision not to feature Luke 
Han, Leia, and Chewbacca, or even C-3PO and R2, did not sit well with some readers. And there begins the first Star Wars trolls. Yep. Way back in 1970, they should have known then that Star Wars fans are not easily satisfied. But take it, take this note that I actually found about the background of Lance. Mm-hmm. He's before Boba Fett. Yeah. And there, there was, there, there was, there's talk, there was talk that basically the reason why we don't see, we didn't see Valance after the 1978 was because apparently they say Lucas didn't want this character to detract from Boba Fett. Okay. Because he was going to introduce Boba Fett as the greatest bounder of them all. Well, Marvel said, no, Bounty we hunter. have the hunter right here. Yeah. Well, I I liked it. Um, I know, as I said, people were complaining. And again, I say I liked it. I was, I, I think I wasn't even born in 1978. I wasn't even born. So um, in retrospect, I liked the idea. But that's why I said this issue was ahead of its time because stories not pertaining to Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, that's second nature. In the, oh, yeah. in the 90s, we started getting a lot of the Dark Horse run where we had myriads of titles just being pumped out that had nothing to do with not just the main characters, but even the world, the, the Empire and the Republic that was set up or the Rebel Alliance that was set up in the original trilogy. We were going into territories that predated uh, the dawn of hyperspace in the 90s. It was the wild, wild west when it came to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So we were kind of born up in it. So maybe that's why we were a little more open to it. But, man, when you go back and see what they were working with back in 1978, it's no it's no wonder why Star Wars has become such a big, iconic franchise. It's because it it plays with ideas and areas that people just love. I mean, the hunter character is fascinating as hell. You know, and as I said, flash forward 40 years, some later and writer and former supernatural writer, Robbie Thompson, um, reintroduces Valance, a character that people kind of snubbed at in the early years. Yep. And now people are clamoring for his return. I'm one of them. Same here. And he actually introduced Valance first in the miniseries Han Solo Imperial Cadet, which makes me now want to go back and read that. Well, Imperial Cadet was supposed to be kind of like. Not just the origin story of Han Solo and the Imperial Navy, but it was a way for them to kind of introduce Valance and give him an origin story as well. Yes, they shuffled around his origin story just a bit uh, because they changed him from being a former Imperial trooper, which is what he was in the 1978 run, to simply an Imperial cadet. And boom, we now have the beginnings of an origin story for Valance as well. I like that quite a bit. And I, I I love when Star Wars does this. They did this with Dr. Aphra, and I'm hoping they're doing the same thing with Valance. They introduce this character. That was intriguing. Do you remember? It's been several years now, so let's go in the way back time machine. And let's remind all of us how it, how we felt when Dr. Aphra Dr. Afra was introduced. And I know there's a small group of fans that don't really care about Dr. Afra, but we were drawn to Dr. Afra immediately. Immediately. When she was introduced in the first Darth Vader title, I believe that started in 2015 with her droids, uh, BD one and, uh, triple zero. 
I mean, it was something different. It was unique. It felt like yesteryear. It felt like the early days of Star Wars. It felt like a 70s group of characters. Yeah. And it, that, very that's pulp. the thing. It, today's audience in comic books is far different from back then in the 1970s, even into the 1980s, where comics aren't meant to change. You're not supposed to, you know, do something uh unique or different or anything because if you look at the how the comic book itself the industry itself has changed you look at a comic book nowadays they're more or less highly regarded like actual books so introducing new concepts and new characters is something that is needed because if they were to just do like the same old same old here's another adventure of han solo and luke skywalker and princess leia it get it get old yeah, it gets old. It gets old. But as long as you understand the ingredients that makes these characters so interesting, you can use those ingredients, rework them, and create new characters. And that's why I feel Valance is fantastic. That's why I feel like Dr. Afra is fantastic, because I can picture them. Let's take Star Wars out of the title for a moment, okay? I can picture them being old pulp reeds. Yeah, I can see them being characters in a 1930s, 1940s radio play. And you have to remember the roots of Star Wars. The 1930s serials. Yes. The serials, I should say, of the 1930s. Pulpy. Magazines. These were all things that, that Lucas beloved and, and used as sources of inspiration or Star Wars, among many, 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 many other things. But they were definitely a big part, especially the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. If you look at the marketing of the 70s, when they were marketing Star Wars, you can see all those influences in the early posters. And it doesn't matter, male, female, it doesn't matter what gender these characters are. We focus so much on gender. Well, we have too many female characters, or we have too many male characters I don't, I don't care if they have a vagina or a dick. Give us a good story. Not for, yes, give us a good story, but also just stick with the archetypes of Star yes. Wars. And that's, again, why Valance and Dr. Afra work so well for me, because they are a page torn from the very thing that inspired Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, with Valance in Imperial Cadet, let's talk about his origin story just a bit so we can understand his purpose and possibly his motives in this issue here, Target Vader. Uh, Valance suffered from an unfortunate accident and left alive, but broken. And after being rescued by Han Solo and Imperial Cadet, uh, he had orders to leave him alone and abandon him. However, Han decided to rescue him and uh, he was stripped of his flight privileges and denied the replacement of his damaged eye and leg. This is Valance. Yes. Uh, This bit of backstory is important to understand his cyborg appearance in this miniseries target fader because we can probably glean possible motivations as to why he wants to go after vader or why he now hates the empire the empire was turned a blind eye to his medical attention his medical needs they refused to help him and didn't even want to save him so that is some great ingredients for story dave some of my favorite arch nemesis villains heroes rise from the ashes of you know what let me rephrase that some of my favorite villains anti-heroes and sometimes good guys 
are created by the other side because yes. of their inactions or the way they are treated. Like, let's go to our go-to, the character we always use, because I feel like it's in the early years of Star Wars Rebels, it was part of Filoni's genius, and that is Agent Callus. Yeah. You create your own enemy. You create your own spy. You create the very thing that will make you fail because of the way you treat the people around you. And that's how Valance is born. That's very strong in in terms of writing motivation because you can use that to motivate a character to no end Mm -hmm. to no end make it personal make it a violation i mean put yourself in that position imagine uh, working for a government agency i mean there's message social relevances here our own soldiers dave our own american soldiers who return from combat and they do not get medical attention sometimes or at least the medical care they need and sometimes we radicalize our very own people and that's exactly what we see with the character of valance so it's a very smart look at even real issues and again this comic i'm not trying to dress it up more than i'm not trying to dress it up in a fancy dress just to do so uh it is a bit of a shallow story i guess i can say but because it's not focused on relevant storytelling necessarily but it's focused on telling a story that's exciting, fun, and adventurous. Yes. And it, it gets the audience to get behind the character. That's yeah. the thing. Is like with Valance, when he's first introduced in the Imperial Cadet, he is almost like the villain of the villain of the crew. He's always antagonizing Han Solo. He picks on him as a cadet. But at the end of the day, Han ends up saving Valance and Valance ends up, quote unquote, paying a price in the very end. Right. But it's not it's not Han that gave him the price. It was the empire that he tried to be loyal to. Mm -hmm. And it's when you read the story, especially when you get to the very end. And like what you said, I don't want to overblow it, but this is what popped in my head. Valance's story is very similar to say something like Rambo from first blood. Yeah. A guy who basically just gets rejected by the government that he fought for and he's scarred. He's left with those scars. And I'm hoping they continue down that route. Like, let's not let that die. Let that be the very thing that drives him. Yes. And that's what I got. I got really excited about, about this comic because the little nuances that they did kind of hint at that. Yeah, and not and maybe it not just be as something as 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 simplistic or one dimensional as revenge. Maybe make it you know something a little bit more that more than that. Yes, revenge will definitely play a part, but possibly betrayal. Betrayal is way more intimate, way more invasive, way more personal. So if they go that route, opposed to just simply vengeance for doing me dirty, yeah. I feel like you take this idea that has such a great, fantastic, pulpy flair, and now you're dressing it up a little nicer, uh, and you're giving your your uh, your character and potential story a little more depth. And motivation. Very believable and, and, motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this takes us right into Target Vader. Uh, Robbie Thompson sets the stage from the very opening pages. I loved this part. He introduces Vader almost... In a Batman or creature of the night type vibe. <laughs> yeah, he you got swoops that. Swoops <laughs> onto the group of bounty hunters that work for an organization known as the Hidden Hand. He comes from the shadows. He t- picks them off one by one. 
uh, looking for information pertaining to the hidden hand because they put a contract out on his life. That's the concept right there. Yes. That's what kickstarts the entire miniseries here. Now, Vader is not the main character in this series. No. He gets his due, but he was used more or less as a plot device, getting the necessary pieces on the board position so that Thompson can introduce a few new elements. And these elements are the hidden hand. Okay. The most interesting part about the hidden, the hidden hand is the ending of this first issue uh, where it leads into issue. Number two is a bit of a cliffhanger of sorts when they reveal that there is a connection to the rebel Alliance. Alliance. Now, if the rebel Alliance is using bounty hunters to do their dirty work, well, this takes us right back into that area that we keep talking about, the gray area. Yes. And it feels very similar to the first Star Wars annual with Eneb Ray. Which Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they're retreading. I'm saying they're going back to something that worked and something that they let kind of die out and fizzle. And it's the, and the it, concept of Eneb Ray Eneb Ray doing the work that the rebel alliance couldn't overtly do. And he was at the beck and call of princess Leia. She was the one calling the shots from the shadows, telling him to assassinate Palpatine. I mean, listen, I'm not saying princess Leia is, is, is bad. It shows readers how princess Leia is willing to take a ride into that gray area of military war and politics. It was a very interesting and telling story. Yeah. And if they're doing that again in an ongoing series, opposed to just simply a one and done like the annual. And then you take Eneb Ray down a route that I was kind of baffled in the star Wars title. He became this, I don't know what, like a repercussions of actions, which I, I do like what he meant in terms of plot and what they were trying to do with his character, but it kind of just fizzled. Yeah. But now it seems like they might be doing it right by setting up this organization, the hidden hand. And then of course, using Valance as um, the overt way to get that work done. Well, the thing I appreciate about the whole hidden hand element, and then that cliffhanger, as you were talking about is it, it harkens back to a, uh, narrative continuity that they've been trying to give us mm -hmm. throughout all the uh, the new era of Star Wars. They want to show that basically it's not just good and evil. The Rebel Alliance had to do things that basically, just as we've always been saying in a lot of our past shows, are in the gray area. Yeah. Look at Rogue One, the 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 the, the starter of everything. Yep. You yeah. see. Cassian kills someone just randomly, <laughs> just randomly. A rebel, a rebel spy gets slain automatically. Why? Because it's the thing that they have to do. Yeah. And a lot well, of people, a lot exactly. of people. And let's frame that for a second for people that may not understand or get upset about it. Okay. The very fate of the rebel alliance is in your hands. Okay. You have vital information and some dude is making a scene because he's afraid. Is it a dark decision? Is it a decision that may rob you of your soul down the road and will plague you with nightmares for the rest of your life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, definitely. But what's at stake? So he, Cassian chooses to blow the guy away to silence him, cause a distraction, and escape with vital information that the Rebel Alliance needs. Exactly. I for mean, the greater good. Dude, that's one of the 
fucking greatest parts about Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And and it, it it was at that point because you know I know I know a lot of Star Wars fans say oh it's getting darker and they're they're doing like all this uh, the the Rebel Alliance is supposed to be evil. I'm like going, it's not about good and evil. It's about a war film, a war story. This is about Star Wars, that what the title is. And that's why I like what you bring up, cohesiveness and a continuity. cohesive narrative. The continuity aspect is key, Dave, what you said. I, I love it because these are things that we keep talking about and droning on about, but these are elements that they are putting in the comics, the books, and the the films of late. And it just adds more realism to the story as we went into and we're not going to go into it so soon after we just did a discussion on tie fighter number one Mm -hmm. but it's it's a necessary aspect because it it removes the naivety from the narrative and gives us more realistic stories that we can actually digest Digest without laughing like oh wow that's silly so I definitely appreciate what they're doing. I don't think they're painting the Rebel Alliance in a bad light. I feel like they're just showing the realities of war. Yes, the Rebel Alliance is possibly. No, they are. They are. I think you can say they're, they, they're they, terrorists. They, they're, <laughs> yes, but they're also good. They're trying to restore balance to a galaxy that is being ran over. That's being by run a, by, by a tyranny. Right. So I, I understand that 100%. And I like what they're doing. Now, Valance in his new form with cyborg parts <laughs> and pissed off. This is something else that Robbie introduced. Robbie Thompson took us to the lower levels. So I love the way he introduced this character. It wasn't just, hey guys, here's Valance. No, they took us to the lower levels of Coruscant to level 1313, which is a very beloved place amongst many Star Wars fans. It is. It is. Level 1313 was a level on the metropolitan world of Coruscant, just to give some background for those that may not be into in the know. And it was named this because it was located. I, I love the entire concept of it. It was located 1313 levels from the core of Coruscant which was accessed by the underworld portal. It was part of Coruscant's criminal underworld and was the location of numerous crimes. Yes. 1313 was Coruscant's most infamous level, a dungeon so deep that the world above forgot about it, filled with shattered conduits, fungus on the walls, and criminal gangs. I remember reading various novels where they took us down there, and I'm just like, God, this is so good. Um, This needs to be a setting. For a movie, an ongoing comic series, maybe even a TV series, the amount of stories you can tell without even ever leaving 1313 are literally endless. Oh, yeah, because it is the center of noir storytelling at that point. Yeah, that's what that's what that setting is. That's why whenever we get as Star Wars fans, whenever we get an inkling that, hey, they're going to do a project that centers around that everyone gets excited. It's one of the reasons why we're excited about the, the new clone war series that's coming out because we're going to, we're going to see Ahsoka descend into 1313 because she has to hide. And we all know 1313 is the perfect place to hide. If you, if you don't want to be found, you go down there. I wish, I wish 1313 was a reality because I would have <laughs> uh, hid from my first wife down there. <laughs> <That's> stupid. <laughs> 
All right. So a little information on 1313 from the behind the scenes aspect. Originally, it was developed by George Lucas for the unproduced Star Wars live action television series, along with character characters like Saw Guerrera. Another another creation by George Lucas. Yeah. The, The one thing that basically George is great at. Ideas. Creating ideas. George Lucas is an amazing idea, man. And it's, dude, it's sorely missed in this current era of Star Wars. And I'm not going to turn this into a negative now. Far from it. I feel like we're getting some great comic book reads and some pretty good novels. But they're all stemmed from his idea. And it goes right back to that discussion, Dave, that you and I have all the time. What's going to happen when Lucas's ideas have finally run out when they run out, when that well has finally, we finally reached the bottom of that, of that Lucas archive. What's going to happen. What's going to happen. Yeah. Cause all of these ideas are from George Lucas or their variations that we twist and, and turn, or I should say twist and change slightly so that we can have a new idea. So yeah, this idea was actually put on hold because of budgetary reasons originally. This was the one that Lucas was shopping to HBO back in the day. Yep. Yeah. He shopped it back in the day to HBO. I think it was even tied with Kevin Smith. Like Kevin Smith wanted to help George Lucas in it. Then later, you, you got to remember the big debacle too. 1313 was supposed to be the setting of that video game that got canceled. Right. That and everybody was angry about. Everyone when, was angry about because yeah. everyone got giddy about it because when you saw the demo, it was perfect. When the playable demo, it was you descended into 1313 and basically were told you are a bounty hunter on the rise. They didn't come out and say, hey, you're going to play Boba Fett. Right. But the fact that everyone basically was excited just to be able to go down into one of the most mythical settings in star Wars lore as a hardcore fan star uh, 1313 on Coruscant where every single undercity, every single crime syndicate <laughs> basically resides. Yeah. There's a lot you can do with that Dave. There's so lot. much you could have done. And like, I'm glad that basically they're bringing this stuff back. Yeah. And that brings us right back to the comic. Robbie Thompson did a really good job. I mean, his introduction with Valance, or I should say how he introduced Valance back into canon, officially into canon. We can say Cadet kind of introduced his origin story, but this is officially this bringing is his, his story, his story into canon. I thought was just fantastic. It reminded me of the early years of Star Wars and what worked so well, that pulp vibe Pages ripped from adventure comics where the hero has a noir swagger with yeah. a gun on his hip, a bad attitude, and an axe to grind. Well, the thing that cracked me up is not only was it like a hearkening to back to what Lucas actually was inspired by, but Valance, they took it even further to, for me when I read it. He reminds me of those 80s action heroes. Oh, yeah. Where oh, they have the quick one-liner, they smoke a cigar, they want to extinguish it into the guy's face. The Arnold Schwarzenegger type of yeah. character. Yeah. And dude, I was I I was really happy how Robbie Thompson formed Valance's dialogue. It you was know, good. It was spot every single on, man. one liner. I don't uh, I have three rules. <laughs> and he tells him, I don't work with droids, bang, and he shoots the droid dead. Yeah. I was like, That's an eighties thing. Yeah, it was good. 
It was really good. But Dave, this is what Star Wars has lost. And I'm not going to get negative. I'm just going to make an observation. Okay. Okay. And I hate to even have to preface myself and say, oh, I'm not getting negative. But everyone takes things out of context. I love Star Wars and I love Star Wars now. That's okay. that's obvious. I'm just saying that there there are elements to Star Wars that made it great, that made it resonate throughout the last several generations um, that Star Wars has lost. And this is part of that. When people ask what's wrong with Star Wars currently, nothing per se, but look at the two properties that were universally well-received, Rogue One and Solo. The Force Awakens had, uh, I should say, Rogue One and Solo. Rogue One had the characters that had a swagger, a gun on their hip, and a bad attitude. You had Jaren Erso. She was that character. She was that archetype. Solo. You had Han Solo. He was that character. The Force Awakens had that with Poe, a character that is a little too cool for school. Yeah. Uh, t- TLJ, The Last Jedi, had Poe, but not the swagger of that particular no. archetype. And you should have. They kind of mistook the bravado and ego and swagger for, or I should say they kind of swapped out the bravado, the ego, the swagger for, I'm a man, I'm going to do what I want to. Yeah. No woman's going to tell me what to do. They replaced it with an agenda. Uh, I, maybe, possibly. I, I, yeah, possibly. I'm not going to disagree with that. But they definitely changed who Poe was. Poe was cool. He had this relaxed, casual swagger. He was a combination of Wedge Antilles and Han Solo. He was his own vibe. He was he was pulpy. He had that that air to him. But then in Last Jedi, they took that all away and just made him to a ball of like anger and like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my way. I'm like, this is not the guy we saw in Force Awakens. Yeah. So Robbie gets it. I feel like he understands the archetypes of Star Wars and what readers and audiences have been drawn to for so many years. I mean, when you look at the original trilogy and why it worked so well is you had the the Luke Skywalker character that represented the fantastical. It represented the dreamer in all of us. Then you had the Han Solo character that represented the I want to be just like him audience. He is cool. He yeah. shoots. He is. He gets the ladies. And then you had the Princess Leia character that was also a symbol of hope, strength, power, resolve. I mean, we're missing a lot of that in this we new are. era of Star Wars. But and the comic you could tell books- because you could tell because like it's something that basically we've always talked about is like Star Wars has a certain vibe to it. It has a certain feel, certain atmosphere. And I agree with you. I mean, the main, but here's the preface that I say with this. It's the mainstream stuff that they try to put out. Yeah. That is missing it. Right. And uh, they had, yes, you're right. The mainstream stuff. And and who knows what the current state of Star Wars would have been like if JJ had continued uh, on and not left. And he directed and wrote Last Jedi we'll never know. Um, but uh, after the release of last Jedi and it, um, whether you liked it or you disliked it, it, that's not really the point. The point is, is that it created a very divisive spirit in, in the star Wars fandom. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that last Jedi was too different in so many ways. Was there a lot of great moments in it? 
Absolutely. But you also can't reinvent the wheel in the middle of a Skywalker saga. Yes. And that's what I think that they were trying to do was reinvent the wheel and try to give us something totally different to the point that it doesn't feel like a Star Wars film. Right. Now, bringing it back to Robbie Thompson and the work he did on Target Vader. Again, (laughs) let's not misconstrue our words here, Dave, and and make Target Vader the most iconic relevant piece of comic book history to ever hit the newsstands. That's not the case. That's not what I'm saying. Yes. It's a fun, simple story, but it captures many of the reasons why we have been drawn to star Wars for decades. It has the heart and the soul. What makes star Wars fun. And this is just one issue. And they do it with an opening scene with Vader and they conclude it with the introduction of that character, that character we were all drawn to, the Valance character. Yeah. So. All right. Even the work is great. Uh, the artwork, I should say, even the artwork uh, done by Mark Lamming was, in my opinion, exceptional. It has a retro vibe to it. It feels like the earlier Star Wars comics, almost a mixture of the early 70s Marvel run or the late 70s Marvel run and the Dark Horse era of the 90s. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, this is... This was very unique when I actually yes. read it because I was like going, this f- feels like it's a Dark Horse comic. Yep. Because I looked at the art and and not the bad Dark Horse I'm art. I'm so let's glad get, you picked up on that. Let, let, let's get this straight. There was bad star, Dark Horse art. <laughs> Mid-2000s. Yeah. Mid-2000s, they were struggling. But what? But, but dude, late 90s Dark late Horse? Late 90s Dark Horse? Fuck, dude. That was good stuff especially with the tale it reminded me of the artwork that i remembered from tales of the jedi mm-hmm. and i'm glad that they brought the, they brought this kind of vibe to it because for star wars comics that's what made star wars uh, let's rewind that that's what makes star wars comics great to me is like the 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 late two th- or the early 2000s the late 90s type of run where they had tales of the Jedi tales of the Sith Lords, dark empire, dark empire. The artwork reminded me of dark empire. Yep. And I, I actually took out a copy of dark empire that I have in my long box. I read amazing box. My long box of all my comics. I thought you, ta- I thought you were doing like a, an innuendo. An innuendo. <laughs> Uh, well, no. I, that'd be a short box. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I took out my long box. Oops, it's a short box. But like I compared the art. I'm like, like there's very you see like connections to it. The, their shading and the dark and the and the shadows that they use. Yeah. Especially I'm when like, they introduce Valance's background gang. Oh, my God. When they did the, the little uh, tidbits of showing each character. In one panel, you know, you have the Gamorrean guard who is a female and kills everybody. It's a little panel like that. And when I look back at like the Tales of Old Jedi comic books, they do a similar thing where they say, hey, we're going to take we're going to give you this one character. Here's a quick little panel showing them doing something. And with the narration, you know, so and so does this, blah, 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 blah. Don't trust her, whatever. And I'm like going. This team gets it. Not only do they understand Star Wars as a franchise, but they understand where they are, their lane. They're in the Star Wars comic books. And if if at all anything, they understand that hardcore Star Wars fans are going to be reading this title. 
you know, Target Vader is actually geared more towards the hardcore Star Wars fans like you and I. And they understand their audience. They, they're like going, okay, we're not going to actually try to do what, say, Lando, Double or Nothing. They're, we're not going to do that. Because if we try yeah, to do don't. that, if we try to actually go to the mass audiences, it'll go over their head and no one, no one will get it. Yeah. Instead, they say, okay, let's go back to our bread and butter. We know what makes Star Wars comics great. Let's bring that stuff back in. I, and I'm hoping this is just the first of many um, in a change in direction of some of the artwork. I, I don't want to slam our art and and I don't want to slam our art because I, I like I said, I, I've, I, you can tell I'm lying right now. Um, <laughs> I like the ongoing Star Wars series for the most part. As well as Dr. Aphra and the Vader series, but I haven't been a big fan of some of the other things. Cause as I've said, I feel like they're just kind of a cash grab. Yes. There isn't a lot of attention to detail um, in terms of a lot of things. Even some of the artists they are bringing on are, they're fantastic. They have great recognition within the business. They have uh, their names are, are known. I should say within the business, um, but it, their work on some of these comics don't really represent aren't good representations of what they have done in the past. Whereas with Mark Lamming, I feel like he's done a great job capturing what, again, capturing the vibe of Robbie's work. And it goes to show you what artists are capable of doing if you're good. Because Maybe Mark Lamming wasn't even really trying to go for the Dark Horse vibe. Maybe Robbie Thompson wasn't even telling him, hey, let's go for that Dark Horse vibe. But maybe Mark Lamming, as he's reading the script, he is able to translate and pick up on the nuances of the world. Yes. And he's like, well, I need to do it like this. And that's why you pick the right people to work with you because they understand what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark Lamming is a British illustrator and designer. He's a big deal, man. Some of the titles he's worked on, I had no idea. Um, he's been around since the nineties. He has, has done big titles. The Sandman presents taller tales. Yep. Uh, he's done XL on the planet of the apes, splinter cell echoes, all New Invaders, Fantastic Four, Hulk in 2014, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Echoes 2014, uh, Planet Hulk 2015. So he's done a lot of work. This guy isn't a noob. He knows what he's doing. He has a lot of work under his belt. So I am highly anticipating issue number two, and I highly suggest people go out and pick this up. I'd love for them to continue Valance's story as an ongoing title. So oh, please, absolutely. That'd be please awesome. go buy these so that people say, so that Lucasfilm will say, holy shit. And Marvel will be like, holy shit. These comic books sold a lot. Let's keep making them. Let's, let's focus on these characters because that's one thing that I've been saying. This new era of star Wars is kind of missing. Yes, we have, Finn, Poe, and Ray in the new thing, but they're not, they don't have that same vibe as, say, like back in the 90s when we as fans had characters like Dash Rendar, Cal Katarn. Oh, uh, keep talking. Come on, keep talking to me, David. You had all those characters that were tell me more, original tell me more. characters and characters that basically 
to this day, Star Wars fans say, we want to see them in, in, in the movies. The new era of Star Wars just does not have those characters that do that. And if you think about it, I honestly think you have Finn, Poe, and Ray, but you can make the argument that Afra and Go right ahead. now Valance. Ahead, Keep talking. Tell me more about Jack more popular than those three. <laughs> I just pulled out my long box. Go ahead. I mean, would Star Wars fans be more excited hearing a Dr. Afra movie? Oh, David, come on. I can't take that. <laughs> you have some floaties in the back to tank now. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, no, mean, no, to, no. But mean to break your concentration. It's one of those things that I honestly have thought about the last couple of months because I, I don't want to be that doom and gloom guy, honestly, with Star Wars because I love Star Wars so much. But there are things that I'm starting to see that I'm like going, yeah. the new era is missing a lot. And then... Dude, it started off with a bang. With a bang. It because I was off, excited for the characters. And it wasn't... Yes, I was too, but it wasn't just excitement. It was... it was There was, there was a lot of passion and I believed that Lucasfilm and the powers that be were also... They believed in the franchise. Like, holy shit, this is a new era. And it feels like because they've hit a couple speed bumps, it feels like the overall enthusiasm when it comes to the decision maker side of things, it's kind of fizzled. And I feel like that's being felt in some of the recent work that we've been seeing. Mm -hmm. And that's disappointing. And we're going to talk about that on our regular show where we get into news updates and whatnot. So we do have to wrap this show, Dave. Give me your final thoughts on Target Vader number one. Target Vader number one, I think, is a must buy. It really is. It's a really fun read. It harkens back to the nostalgia for me about reading 80s comics, like the old Dark Horse comics. And the fact that basically they're, they've, they're bringing back a character from nostalgia that all us Star Wars fans, we always want to say, go back to the Rolodex, please bring this character back. Bring this that character back. Which character? Well, they did. You have uh, the only character, character characters now that I could think of that they need to bring back are the big three, in my opinion: Marjade, Dash. Oh come on, Dave. And Calcutta. I just have to pull That's out my it. long box again. The big three. Those are the big three. Oh, from it's the, the big three. <laughs> you you brought back one of the originals, which was Valance, and then you introduce a brand new character in Afra, but you're still missing those big three that the nostalgic fan uh star wars fans are like going man i want to really see those characters again yeah <laughs> i agree dave as you can tell i agree <laughs> very much so very much so that's a lot of protein oh, oh wow <laughs> jesus is that your source of protein dave because <laughs> it's definitely not mine i gotta end the show before i vomit and there'll be some floaties and some vomit in the back to take Jeez. Can I gouge my brain out? <laughs> All right. Yes, please, everyone pick up Target Vader number one. I highly suggest it. Fun read. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, uh, yes. 